You're listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. I'm finally going to do the second half of that thing that I thought was just the second half of the balloon bomb story. For real? The wait is over. For real? Uh-huh. Oh. I'm okay. Tell you the story of one Nobuo Fujita. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, you, you weren't like oh, Nobuo Fujita. Nobuo I Fujita. Guy. I do. He. Um, All right. Nope. Go for it. No. Go for it. You no, know. I thought. I no. I don't. I thought I was going to come up with something really clever to say and be a smartass, and nothing came to me. So please continue. <laughs> I got nothing. Awesome. Oh my god. Okay. So it's back in World War Two. We're doing the World War II thing again, which is why I thought these two stories would go together initially. Yeah. So first we talked about the balloon bombs and how those were the only combat casualties on the U.S. mainland during the war. Yes. They weren't the only bombs that hit the U.S. mainland during the war. What? Thanks to no way. Nobuo Fujita, who was what? a warrant-flying officer of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Okay. Who bombed Oregon. Asshole. <laughs> no, you'll, you're going to love him by the end of this. Oh, okay. 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 Let's go for so, it, Nobuo. Nobuo, uh, he joined the Imperial Japanese Navy in 1932, and he became a pilot the next year. Okay. And he was part of Pearl Harbor, although he wasn't able to participate in all parts of it, thanks to, you know, malfunctions and equipment and whatever. And he was very militaristic very into the whole japanese cause Mm -hmm. and getting those dirty americans out of there especially because we talked about the doolittle raid where there's an air raid on tokyo that was incredibly distressing like you know just how for us having 9-11 happen in new york city was so huge for them yes having bombs dropped on tokyo was psychologically Yes. A huge deal. Yes. Yeah. So Nobuo is about 30 at this point. And he's like, I'm going to go fuck their shit up. I'm going <laughs> to drop bombs on San Francisco. I'm going to drop bombs on Los Angeles. I'm going to wreck their shit over there. And when they said, actually, yeah, he's going to wreck our whole entire wagon. Just <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they're working on the same strategy they were with the balloon bombs. They have the idea that they're going to start forest fires in Oregon, and it's going to draw Mm -hmm. all these resources away from the Pacific Theater. Mm -hmm. And so what he comes up with, because he's a bright, motivated young man who wants to start a tremendous amount of shit, is (laughs) putting together submarines and seaplanes. So... Damn. He has. He's, he's a pretty good pilot. Um, this is his idea. He actually uh, depressingly trained um, kamikaze pilots for a while oh. after the, the story that we're talking oh. about right here, which has got to be a rough gig. But he was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put together an airplane and a submarine, and we will launch the airplane <laughs> off the deck of the submarine. You laugh, but it worked. Uh, really? Yeah. It's just like it's like putting the wings on a pickle. I see when you see putting, putting an airplane together with 
submarine. That's not yeah. what they were doing. It was just my mental image. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mental mm-hmm. image. I mean, one of the things that stands out to me about this is that his plane did not have wheels. So to launch it, they used a what? catapult. <laughs> they used a catapult. Like a little foam airplane you buy at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> And then after he would fly, he would just sort of land in the water, and they would go pick him up with a crane. Oh, okay. Because he okay, it would be hard to land on the submarine, even if you were a really good pilot. Let's be fair. You're right, and and even if you had wheels, you don't need them on a submarine. Um, I mean that no. makes sense. Gliders have been landing without wheels for you know a while. Yeah, yeah. I so his plan. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just don't think the Wright brothers ever envisioned this. Launching their plane with a slingshot from a submarine for Full it to land bombs. in the water. Full of bombs yeah. and then be picked up like a claw game prize. Yeah. <laughs> little left, little left. Oh, I need another quarter. Oh, give me another we quarter. Get no yep. back. <laughs> so they actually instantiate this plan. They actually make this shit happen. And they bomb good Oregon. Good word, though. Okay, Thank sorry. You. But good word. <laughs> He's actually bummed out that it's Oregon. He wants to take Why? out, like, Los Angeles or something. But oh, there's still start small. this whole forest fire theory. Yeah. <laughs> Man is getting toward the end of the war. Like, you don't have time to start small. Like, go big or go yeah, home. I, I guess you don't. <laughs> but if you want to start a forest fire... Los Angeles forest fire. Los Angeles for like they're not the same thing. You don't mm-hmm. you're gonna light like the four palm trees they have on fire in LA and that's <laughs> it's it. already a desert out there. It is, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, no 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 boo. I you need to say your name right or I am an ethnocentric fuck. What is his name again? <laughs> Nobuo Fujita. Nobuo. Okay, Nobuo. I can say that properly even though it's not uh, an American name. Nobuo. There you go. Pardon okay. me. So he is flying, and he's flying a plane that's going about 90 miles an hour, which is actually okay. not that fast for an airplane. No. Nope. Uh, so they have to figure out how to put him someplace where people aren't just going to shoot him directly out of the sky. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I've been in a car going 90 miles an hour. Like, yeah. it's not sluggish, but no, you could imagine air- people taking pot shots. Oh, definitely. I mean, I assume it's pretty close to the ground anyway. It's yeah. a tiny airplane. Airplanes, like the jets we fly on, go on like 350 miles an hour, 400 miles an hour. So this is slow for a plane. Right. Exactly. So his plan then becomes the whole forest fire thing. And he goes, they set up, they catapult his little ass out there. <laughs> I'm picturing a pretty small plane if they could like take it apart and put it in a submarine or whatever. Yeah, so his little the minute can into shoot the sky. it. <laughs> and he has these thermite bombs and he okay. drops them. And what have we established about trying to start forest fires in Oregon with bombs? <laughs> too rainy. It rains a lot less. Yeah, it's too rainy. It's, it's too, too rainy. rainy. He oh. did this in September, so he dropped two bombs. So one was on Wheeler Ridge on Mount Emily in Oregon. Okay. And we don't really know where the other one landed exactly, so oh. <laughs> keep your head on a fucking swivel apparently, if you're in the Oregon forest. <laughs> I can't get right. 
You're going to find D.B. Cooper, you're going to find Sasquatch, and you're going to find Nobua's bombs. And balloon bombs. And balloon bombs. And chunks of whale. And chunks of whale. That's so gross. There's a mess out there. Oh, Oregon, we love you. We're so sorry for you. <laughs> okay, right. so the one that we know where it landed started a little forest fire, but we have a U.S. Forest Service for a reason, and they're able to yeah, put it do. out. And so okay. when they find it, they run over there. So he goes on, you know, th- these are the only times that we have aircraft bombings in World War II on the continental United States. Okay. He, that since it doesn't work out, he moves on to other stuff. Uh, unlike many okay. people we have talked about in this show, he knows how to quit while he's ahead. Good and job. he goes on, you know, flies other stuff in the war. And then the war is over. And he opens a hardware store. <laughs> in, let's see. In, why are hardware stores so funny? Just because that's what he did afterward. Like, he goes yeah. and he sells hammers. Like, this dude... He engineered a slingshot plane that Dennis the Menace can just, like, <laughs> fling off of a submarine. And now it's like, you know, Bob from down the street comes in and he's like, Nobua, I need I need some hammers. I need a garden hose. <laughs> I, it's just such a, um, you know, prosaic job to have after being this, like, war mastermind. Yeah, every once in a while he just kind of looks off into the distance for a while and he's remembering being catapulted toward the Oregon coast. Precisely. And a little exactly. Plane. See, you get oh, it. Man. That is funny. I do get it. Now, you would think that would be where the story was over. Mm-hmm. However, fast forward 20 years. So he does this bombing in 1942, tries to burn okay. down the Oregon forest in retaliation for the Doolittle Raid. Yes. 1962... He's about fifty. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, you're right. Good math. Okay. In Brookings, Oregon, which is the town closest to where the bomb hit, right? Okay. They say, you know who we should have over? That guy. What? Yeah. Why? For tea? They want to promote international friendship. Stop. No, it's real. So you invite the dude that bombed your town? Yes! There's a bunch of young businessmen. None of them is more than 35 years old. Like, they were teenagers during the war at most. Oh my god. And they go, we really want to bring this guy over to visit this town. Oh my god. And it, you know what? It was only 20 years later. It wasn't even 20 years since the war was over. It was like maybe 17, which coincidentally is about as long as it's been since September 11th, 2001. Yeah. So imagine how that's going over. People are furious. People in the town are really upset. There's a lot of anger. There's yeah. like most of the men in the community have been in World War II and if they yeah. haven't then, you know, certainly their brothers and their uncles and their fathers and everybody yeah. have been. There's veterans who's li- who are living there and the Chamber of Commerce, the JCs, are getting death threats. 
they're saying if you walk that guy, and I'm substituting guy for yeah. racial slur for Japanese people, if mm-hmm. you walk with that guy down the street, we're going to have rifles pointed at you and your family. Wow. And this guy says inviting him is the right thing to do. To heck with the consequences. Oh my god. I bet you fuck, I bet your family wasn't like to heck with the consequences. I bet they were like, (gasps) slow down. Mm -hmm. Slow your roll there, buddy. Yeah, slow your roll. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is oh my god. Okay. So this is all about this guy McChesney. And I'll be honest, I lost the first page of this, so I don't know what his first name is. You could have gotten away with that. You could have just said Mr. Chesney the whole time. Yeah, there we go. But he's like, you should come stay with me. And here's the part that's even better. Nobuo says, okay, cool. What? Yeah. So in 1962, Nobuo comes back to the Oregon coast. This time he's not in a little catapult plane. He's traveling with his wife, Akayo, and their son, Yasunoshi. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they're staying at McChesney's house. Balls. That takes balls. <laughs> Giant brass balls. Huge pendulous nads <laughs> on everyone involved to do this. Okay, continue. Okay, so... They have a really pleasant trip in Brookings, Oregon. There's okay. about a week of this visit, and they go all out. They're like, here's a key to the city, and here's a parade, and I guess Nobuo tries playing a bagpipe during the parade. And don't you want to see that so bad? I want to see it more than First anything. time bagpiping. He's like, okay, I really don't want to offend these weird Americans with this weird bag thing (laughs) sure okay I'll try it they even get in a plane and fly over the bomb site again it's been like 20 years I think I have underpants that are like not much older (laughs) same I recently had to get rid of some American Eagle underwear that I bought in high school. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So just like, it's like all the shit that they're like, only 90s kids will remember this. Like, it's that recent. And they're like, come on over, play a bagpipe. (laughs) Yeah. And he is a sweetheart as well. Like, he brings his wife, he brings his kid, and he also brings... His family's samurai sword, which has been handed through the family for 400 years. Oh, shit. 400 years. He took it on every flight that he did, including when he was trying to bomb the shit out of Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know what, Liz? TSA let him take that fucking samurai sword on the plane. They didn't make him check it. (laughs) And yet, when I flew last weekend, I got detained because I had fucking pistol grips the least dangerous part of a gun i had those in my carry-on in i will let you know in a giant clamshell marked with pistol grips on it and they acted like they'd found jimmy hoffa smuggling a fucking h-bomb up his ass in my luggage for as much 
dick-sucking back padding as was going on in that little TSA gate. They felt like they had found the holy grail of terrorists. And I got in trouble for that, but Nobuo got to have his goddamn samurai sword, which you know was Nippon steel, which was sharp as a fucking samurai sword. On that point, I'm. You told me I would like him by the end of this story, and I'm just. I my blood is angried up again. So anyway, you wouldn't like take your pistol grips. My pistol. Now I'm not a gun person. But I feel like that's not not letting people take potholders because ovens are hot. Because thank you, you uh, precisely, precisely. It's the like not letting me one adjacent item. <laughs> it is the oh my god, oh my god! It wasn't even like the barrel. Like I could have you know spit spitballs or something through it. No, it was the fucking grips. They are two little pieces of, of, of like, metally plastic. The, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Calm your tits, I won't, TSA. I, calm your, I thought you were going to tell me to calm my tits, and I'm like, I just can't. Yeah. I can't. Anyway, it was my fault. I should have read the regulations on the website. I just didn't think anyone would ever fucking stop me for having two four-inch by two-inch pieces of flat fucking plastic simply because you ultimately screwed them to a handgun on the plane. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Anyway, yeah. I'm so sorry. So no, Nobuo brings his samurai sword. I'm very happy that he was mm-hmm. able to do that. I really yes. am not now, jealous this even may a little be bit. a Japanese TSA thing because it's not an issue on the way back because he gives it to Brookings. You gotta be kidding me. Nope. 400 years in his family, and instead of giving it to his little son. Yeah. His little son, whose name I already lost track of someplace. Yeah, yeah, Yasuyoshi. Instead of giving this to Yasuyoshi, he gives it to the town that he tried to bomb. What the fuck? Yeah. I don't understand you at all. It's because they're both saying, you know what? Let's be on the same page now. It's, he's contrite <laughs> about this. He is sad. I tried to kill you all. Bygones. Here's a sword. Bygone. Have a sword. Have a sword. We're cool, right? We're square? But yeah, this has got to be, that whole week, people must have just been side-eyeing each other. Like, is yes. it a trick, though? But is it a yeah, trick, right? though? He says is he's going to give me the sword. Is he going to, like, yank it back at the last minute and kill me? Like, yeah. Yeah, he's going to give it to me pointy end first. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he gives it to the town. He gives it to the town, and he develops this relationship with Brookings that lasts for the rest of his life. So he sends them, with his employer, thousands of dollars for multicultural children's books in their public library. They have, like, one of the best picture book collections about Japanese culture because he sends all this money. He sends or no, he brings high school students to Japan for a cultural exchange even though it takes him so long to make this work because, you know, he's not a rich guy, but they are making this happen. He dedicates his life to making peace with this town that he once was trying to wipe off the map in retaliation for what wow. we did to Japan. 
Okay. Yeah, even President John F. Kennedy congratulated Nobuo and Brookings on their efforts for this. It is, it's wild. It is so just this is wild. pretty cool. Yeah. This is legitimately, I mean, I feel a lot better about this story now. I was definitely on the town side for a minute being like, the fuck, really? Can we, like, can the trees that you caught on fire, can they have a chance to, like, let their saplings grow before we bring you yeah. out here? But these are a lot bigger people than I am, and that is really yeah. fucking cool. They went, let's not even wait. Come on over. And he went, okay. But here's the thing that actually is really sad that um, they found out years later is he didn't know what was going to happen when he came over. And he was afraid that they were going to attack him. He was afraid that terrible stuff was going to happen. And there were people in the town that were like really worked up about it. Like I told you. And he actually had this plan with the sword that Uh, they were going to get too intense with him that if they're going to like throw eggs at him or try him for war crimes he was going to commit ritual suicide yep that's yep. what i thought we were maybe headed for wow yeah, plan b he and instead have a plan they're like b. here's our library do you want to play a bagpipe <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to have a parade Yay. Try this weird Scottish instrument that has nothing to do with us <laughs> or you. Oh, sounds like somebody stepped on a cat. Get in on this. <laughs> Get after it, dude. <laughs> he probably thought that was a form of attack. I'm really glad he didn't yeah. try to, you know, commit Sepika right there after hearing the bagpipe. Because I would have thought that was an act of aggression. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, here it is. Here's the revenge. <laughs> It's It's inflating like a whale carcass. What's going to happen? It's just going as they tune up. It's like, oh God, what does that thing fire? How do you you know if it's in tune or not? Is it ever really in tune? Oh, Oh, man. I shouldn't. I shouldn't joke because like my dad's favorite song is Amazing Grace on bagpipes. So it has a lot of, like, power in my heart. Like, I will definitely, I love it when I hear a bagpipe at, like, a funeral or a formal event. But, Devin, if we can't dunk on bagpipe players, who do we have left? (laughs) We don't have anybody. They chose that lifestyle. (laughs) They didn't choose that lifestyle. You just posted a beautiful thing on on our Facebook that says we're not classist, we're not ableist, we're not anti-Semitic, we're not racist, we're, we're not bagpipist, homophobic. So who can we make fun of? It will be the bagpipe players of the world. We're coming yeah. for you. Yeah. And you're just out there stressing out people. You know, like, he like trained kamikaze pilots, but he's like, oh, that was a little much. <laughs> just a little bit. Oh, I don't know, man. Oh my oh, man. goodness. So yeah, he came back to Brookings in 62. Okay. In 85, he had female students from Brookings come out to Japan. I don't know if that was like specifically intentionally that they were female. doesn't say. He gets a letter from somebody in Ronald Reagan's office thanking him for facilitating this cultural exchange. And he goes back in 1990. He goes back in 1992 and plants a tree at the bomb site. And then in 1995... 
Um, he's there because they're moving the sword from the city hall into the new display case. And then, Ooh. so in September 1997, he's 85 years old and he's yes. dying. And he's made an honorary citizen of Brookings. And the next I year, might tear up. His daughter, Yuriko Asakura, takes his ashes to the bomb site and buries them there in Brookings. You gotta be fucking kidding me. That, yeah, so 20 years between when he bombs the place and when they invite him back, and then 30 years or more, 35 years of friendship with this town. Oh my god. Going back and forth. Oh my goodness. Putting so much effort into it. He made up for that, for sure. He did, yeah. You know? Oh my goodness. How cool would it be to have more... Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the amount of courage, of course, the giant fucking balls, but then also grace that all parties involved had to have to be like, you know what? That was war. That Mm -hmm. sucked. Honestly, we're kind of all doing what we have to do. Um, But no, now we're not at war. We can put that behind us. Yeah. That's see our town. Impressive. Yeah. Really so, impressive. Does the uh, does the city still have the sword? Oh, yeah. And all the Amazing. books that he paid for. Amazing. What a yeah. cool guy. Isn't it good? I was... So, at the end of this article, and I'll link everything in the show notes, because we have good yeah. show notes now, there's Marsha McChesney, who is the wife of Bill McChesney, whose name I finally found, uh, who was a big part of bringing them there. Found and you know, okay. obviously, when Nabuo and his family came, they were staying with her. Okay, Which I think that's. I, I can picture Bill coming home with this plan and being oh, yes. like, "Marsha, um, is our couch a foldout? Is, <laughs> are you ready to have a couple guests over? Um, by the way, the whole town might try to kill us in exchange mm-hmm. for having this person. I've gotten some death threats, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll grab some She's... extra toothbrushes. It's going to be all good." <laughs> Oh, man, I'm about to lose my computer. I got to talk fast. Okay. He remembers walking into her living room when the family comes in town, and she sees her oldest son sitting in Nobuo's wife's lap reading a picture book. And he's telling her the names of the animals in English, and she's telling him the names of them in Japanese. And they're just two people connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how transcendent. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It started with bombs and fire, and it ended with ashes and friendship. It's beautiful. That is amazing. I, I, you know I'm a sucker for the paranormal and the weird, but this is honestly, this has got to be my favorite thing that you've told me. This even edges out the parachuting beavers, which I didn't think you'd ever top. <laughs> it's because weird this is, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, it's really odd. It's beautiful, though. This is just beautiful. But yeah, I liked that story a lot. I thought it was really pretty and really happy, but also very weird. Very weird. Very strange. Not not our usual strangeness, but I love it. I think yeah. that's great. I I still, in all the articles I looked at, I could not find who was the first one to say, you know who we need to bring to town. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder... I wonder who uh, threw that out on the table and just let it, you know, fall mm-hmm. like a giant turd mm-hmm. in the middle of this discussion. 
Yeah, to be like, we're a small town in Oregon. What should we do with our time? Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. With our limited resources. What a trip. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Oregon. Way to be progressive. Yeah, that was a hell of a thing. Yeah, definitely. On that note, you have been listening to Ouija Broads. You can find us on the web at OuijaBroads.com, or we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on Podbean, or on iTunes if you want to rate, review, or subscribe. We always appreciate that, and if you make a particularly interesting review, we like to share it and talk about it. It gives us warm fuzzies and makes us happy. And I guess all I want folks to do, really, when it comes down to it, Mm -hmm. is live weird. Mm -hmm. Die weird. And stay weird. Thank you for listening. I got your warm fuzzies right here, girl.